Well, hello there. This is Tim Marr, and this is Failing Up. Thank you, Jungle Jim, for that wonderful, wonderful musical introduction. Jungle Jim is right over there in the, the corner of the basement studio, right behind his electronic synthesizer and all kinds of other stuff. It's like a it's like a big computer. I didn't know there's so much lights and gadgets over there. All the music he's putting on—it's really incredible. What a what a great job! What a creative talent! He just oozes creativity out of every orifice of his body. Amazing that guy. Just amazing, amazing, amazing talent. Jungle Jim. Oh my God. Hi, this is Tim Marr again, recording this podcast on a beautiful Sunday, snowy Sunday in April. Ill located in upstate New York in the basement studio right along the shores of the Seneca River flowing into the great, the great lake of Ontario. And uh, which of course, if you make a right, you're going to go right up into the Thousand Islands and keep going and you'll, you'll end way up, way, 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 way up north and you'll end up out to the Atlantic Ocean. If you go left, you're going to end by Toronto and a little south, you'll end up by Niagara Falls and Buffalo. Yeah, I was looking at this ad, you know, speaking of the, you know, the Great Lake and all, and, and there's this St. Lawrence Seaway cruise of the Canadian Maritime, the St. Lawrence Seaway, and it takes off from Toronto, goes right across the Great Lake of Ontario, one of these Great Lakes, beautiful inland oceans, then goes all the way up to, um, through a thousand islands, you know, Clayton, past Montreal, past Quebec City. If you've never been to Quebec City, you should really get there. The fenced-in city. Quebec City is just simply simply a beautiful place to go. Beautiful place to go. And then gets way up there and, and gets uh, way to the tip where, where the St. Lawrence Seaway opens right up into the Atlantic Ocean, cruises back down, goes up, you know, by Bar Harbor, by Maine, Portland, and loops back. And it's really a incredible journey. And when you look at a map, the Thousand Islands of Lake Ontario and the Thousand Islands, where it goes, it's really, really quite incredible to see uh, where that river can take you. And right here, we're broadcasting on the Seneca River that feeds right into that Great Lake of Ontario, which can take you on that journey. If you get a little rowboat, a little engine, a little gas puller, you know, Evan Rood, pull start, off you go. Off you go. Crazy weekend, March Madness, flying through this weekend here, you know. Uh, an obsession in America, basketball's mark madness. All kinds of betting going on. All, you know, I've lost one pool that I was in a survival pool. I don't know what I'm doing next. It's all kinds of. It's crazy. It's like it's like a this addiction. People don't even care about basketball for some reason. March Madness. I got to bet on that game. Oh yeah. Did you bet on anything, Jungle Jim? Yeah, he nods away. Jungle Jim's a big time bet. Big time basketball guy. Big time basketball guy. That calls for a sip of my Diet Coke. Hmm. Ah, a little diet caffeine to keep me going here. Spring has sprung, where we have a little extra hours of sunlight here in the um, states. You know, we've sprung ahead. We're all a little bit tired. That was last week or the week before. I can't remember now because I'm so sprung ahead. And and here it is snowing here where I'm located right now. Oh boy, I'll tell you what. what, 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 what. Oh, and I got a little game action going back there. So here's some screaming in the background as. Um, the the rest of the people in the studio here are rooting for still uh, some games that are going on to see who gets to the final four. So by the time you upload this, we'll have the final four here all set, and it'll be a really exciting time for, for college basketball here in the United States of America. But in any event, back to other major events that are going on in our world, which is impacting everyone, and that is this horrendous, horrific, atrocious, pick an adjective, screwed up war in the Ukraine. 
And it's a, it's a shadow that, that lays over everything as it should when you think about the atrocities that are occurring, that you think about Russia and Putin, really you have to blame Putin, invading the Ukraine unprovoked just for, for power, you know, just, uh, just to take it over to gain back something that he feels he's lost or to whatever. Who, who, the, who the hell knows? But as we've seen in the news, the Ukrainian the individual is just fighting heroically. This great leader, um, you know, standing up in his, um, uh, in, this, in the capital city, not surrendering at all. Really just true, true courage. I mean, um, Compare that to Ted Cruz when uh, the flooding and the hurricanes in Texas, and Texas was in crisis, and he was on his way to uh, to a trip in the Bahamas. <clears throat> That's just true leadership. But in any event, the question that keeps coming into my head is, what is it with, I mean, the whole world is watching. The whole world, we are all watching. Watching on an hourly basis of these horrendous acts, innocent you know, children being totally blown to pieces, elderly, bomb shelters, just total devastation by this madman. Putin's a madman, you know, um, there's no doubt about it, an evil madman. And he is in the same category now as Adolf Hitler. He is, you know, just blowing the, the crap out of innocent people. And what what will happen? Nobody really knows what will happen, but right now everyone the world is involved. Whether or not, you know, in World War II, the U.S. tried to isolate itself and, and, not, and not get involved in the war. And eventually, of course, we were pulled into the war when uh, Pearl Harbor occurred. This is a little bit, this is different in the sense where with NATO allies, we're here. And who's to say he would stop uh, Putin where he is right now? But the question to me is, why is violence the go-to and why is peace why is peace so hard to maintain why is peace such a such a a, a goal that that seems unattainable why can't peace be reached and the go-to always seems to be violence and i don't know if it's our natural makeup as animals if it's you know violence is the way to move things forward but it seems like Peace is just, it, it, it's like reaching for the stars. It's unattainable. And it's talked about. And it's sung about. And it's painted about. And it's written about. But every time, and, and every time, it seems like all the individuals, at least that I'm familiar with, or have moved me, who have brought forth peace through the, through the annals of history. Is it the annals or the annals? Annals. Guess where it goes. Some of the history belongs in an annal anal passage, and most of it is the annals of history. But in any event, peace uh, is elusive. And those that have come forward and written about peace and sung about peace and preached about peace have been persecuted, have been persecuted and killed, sacrificed, crucified. Jesus Christ crucified a man of peace. What the hell did Jesus do but walk around and talk about peace, peace, love, and forgiveness? So no matter what your belief is, there was a Jesus Christ. There was a guy named Jesus Christ who walked around, had his apostles, 
walked through the Middle East and preached peace and forgiveness. Actually, in the day, he was he was like a hippie. Jesus Christ was like a hippie. He was like a hippie walking around preaching peace. And the establishment got a little bit nervous because he got some followers. People started listening to peace. They started listening to this man who was preaching peace and forgiveness and love. And they got all nervous. And what did they do? They crucified him. They freaking crucified him. Isn't that amazing? I mean, um, somebody's talking about peace and love, and he gets killed for that. I don't, be, I, I don't, I don't get it. And then, and then you go through Mahatma Gandhi. Mahatma Gandhi. Who the heck would get mad at Mahatma Gandhi? Gandhi, a man of peace, a man of love, assassinated because he rubbed some folks the wrong way. Now, even though his assassination had nothing to do with his uh, his stance on peace, still his celebrity and, and a sicko did take out John Lennon. John Lennon, a man who preached peace, met a violent death. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who walked in the face of violence, walked in the face of violence, constantly facing violence, yet able to squelch the retaliation by his followers to, to deliver the message that was needed. Peace. What happens to Dr. Martin? He's killed, assassinated violently. Brother jailed for peace. So what is it that is so freaking threatening and difficult about peace? Why are people so threatened by peace? I don't, I don't get it. Why are countries and leaders through history, through the annals of history and the annals of history, so threatened by the concept of peace, peace and equality? What is it about all that that just makes people freak out and they got to stomp it off? I don't get it. I, I, I'm asking questions I don't have the answer to, but I'm asking, I don't know. I don't know why somebody starts preaching peace or says, can't we all get along? The next thing you know, they're blown away. I don't understand why uh, violence has to be a solution. Why it seems okay to, to have your, to meet your, uh, use any means necessary to meet the ends of your goal. I mean, you just hear about the weaponry we have right now. It always comes out in wars. I mean, they have these these weapons that that they fire, and I believe the Russians have been utilizing them. Where they, when they when they explode, they suck the oxygen out of the whole region, the area that you're in. They just suck the oxygen out of you. You know, hundreds of children sheltered in a building, and they bomb it. To what end? And I'm just puzzled, you know. It seems as if, you know, violence begets violence. Violence begets violence. And you learn that as a very little kid. You know, you're, you're in school and you're getting picked on by a bully. You're getting picked on by somebody. And, you know, eventually they shove you and you're, you shove them back and bam, game on. Very, you know, very few situations or very few times in that situation, you're going to be able to either talk yourself out of it or get along or figure it out. And then you got to think, I guess that's where it magnifies itself throughout life. Because if you don't stand up to the bully or you find a way to quote the situation, you're viewed as a coward. Who really is cowardice? 
you know, we got all these toys, we got all these weapons, we can blow the earth up five times over, and we can just, you know, heck with global warming, we can just blow the shit out of this planet. We can blow the hell out of this planet right now. And it's never been, again, so apparent than it is in these past, you know, eight weeks that, you know, now we have not only a crazy man, because Putin's nuts, he's nuts. He's evil and he's nuts. Evil is evil and he's nuts. And you have a crazy man who has the access to nuclear power. We have access to nuclear weapons, just as he does, not nuclear power. Well, he has that too. But, um, and, 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 and just, you know, a face-off again, like the Cold War, the old Cold War. Except now some other players are in there and they have that access too. Imagine being in Poland where you're on the, you know, when you think about Europe, you know, imagine being in Poland. It's not like, you know, it's not like here, we're in the U.S., you know, we're separated by ocean. So we have Mexico and we have Canada. And they're not going to, you know, we get along with them. They get along with us for the most part. And there's issues. But we have the oceans. But, of course, oceans don't squelch jets and subs and satellites and nuclear weapons and all that. But still, it gives you some false sense of security. These There was a time where it was a real sense of security, but now it's a false sense of security. But still, geographically, we're a little bit away, so that kind of out of sight, out of mind, but it shouldn't, shouldn't be out of sight, out of mind with those atrocities. But imagine being in Europe where it's like, you know, you're in New York State and the next country is, you know, Chicago. The next country is, uh, um, you know, Pennsylvania or, Cle or Ohio. Those are the next countries, Massachusetts. So if, you know, if uh, Illinois decides to invade Ohio and you're in New York, you're going to be a little bit nervous if they're blowing the crap out of Ohio from Illinois. So if you're in Poland and the Ukraine, and these, these horrendous acts are attacking in the Ukraine, it's just a matter of time before you're a little bit nervous because the next throughway stop is you. And the next throughway stop is NATO. And to think that a situation like this would be resolved through the elusive peace might be naive because nobody really, people talk about it. People talk about it all the time. And those that really got into preaching it, they got killed. But people talk about it. Can't we just all, let's give peace a chance. Sure, we want to give peace a chance. But I just don't understand. It's not in human nature. It's not in the nature of, of leaders to do that. It's not even the nature, and you can, it's not even the nature, it's just, you know, to get along, to... To say, you know, enough's enough. So instead of blowing each other up, maybe we're helping each other out with, with getting food in the right places or water in the right places. But instead, you know, we just want to blow the crap out of the right place. I, and, you know, I'm just kind of rambling because I don't really understand when you hear that. That whenever it comes to, to this elusive goal, it's almost like a fairy tale. And we have built up so much. There is so little faith in ever establishing unified peace in this world. So little faith in it that the world has built up arsenals. These arsenals, as I mentioned earlier, that could blow the crap out of the world five times over. So the only way we can maintain, maintain true peace is through the threat of violence. Because that's really what it is. You know, and uh, it's a it's a big oxymoron because the threat of violence would maintain peace. Isn't that interesting? It is sad. It is sad when you think about 
the fact that uh, tanks are rolling into a town. I, I just try to, I try to imagine that as I as I sit here, you know, in the comforts in the United States. I try to imagine the horror, you know, of one day you're in your home and you're watching the news and you're hearing about a buildup, but you have your house, you know, you got your you have your pictures and your family and the dog and the cat and, you know, your favorite chair and your favorite uh, spoon and maybe your grandparents' pocket watch and um, maybe your uh, trophy from something you won. All those things, your favorite records, some, you know, posters, your house. It's your home. It's where you live. There's a stain on the carpet from where you spilled a drink at Christmas time. There's a um, you know a hole in the wall where one of the kids ran through full speed and stuck an elbow in there or something. That's that's your home. Your home. Your home. No matter what it is, whether it's a whether it's a house or an apartment or um, a unit, whatever your home is, you know that's your home. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be just your home. Whatever it is, home is where you hang your hat. And your home is within your country, within your town, which is in within your city or country, in your city or whatever. Then that's within your country. And um, and you kind of feel, well, you know, this is my world and it's okay. And all of a sudden, it's just all blown away and you're running from it. You're running from your home. You're running for your life and all those things are gone. And as I sit over here, you know, on the other side of the ocean and way far away, and I see it on the news, you say, oh my God, it's horrible. And I just can't imagine the horror. When you see, you know, parents crying over their kids, you know, worried about, I'm worried about my kids driving out at night, at, you know, the car at night, let alone getting blown up by some wacko shooting missiles into the, you know, our village here. Um, and what happens? How long do we sit, how long can you sit by and watch that? How long? until somehow it has to be stopped. And even when the President of the United States may have been a gaffe yesterday, you know, this weekend in Poland, when he says, you know, Russia needs a leader, a change in uh, their regime, their leadership regime. Well, you know, it's true, they do. They do because the people of Russia aren't bad people. They don't know. It's propaganda at its best. It's propaganda, it's censored. They don't know, and the most of them, you know, they're starving now. They, for God's sakes, they can't get a Big Mac over there. And uh, can't get a Big Mac. I can't go to the bank. Can't get a Starbucks coffee. Peace. Peace. Will there ever be peace? Will there ever truly be peace on this earth? And I think it goes back to, um, you know, I love the lyrics from John Lennon's song. All we're saying is let's give peace a chance because nothing else is working. Nothing else is working. And I hear Jungle I, Jungle Jim is working because I can hear Jungle Jim cranking up that synthesizer. He's had enough of this little ramble, ramble. Jungle Jim, you got it going, baby. I can hear those talented fingers. Look at you over there, just playing over there, waiting for summer to come and spring. And let's just, you know, pray for all those individuals in the Ukraine and hopefully this this atrocity and this tragedy will end very soon. This is Tim Marr and this is Failing Up. Take it away, Jungle Jim Marr.